Welcome into UGA Football Live with J.C. Shelton, where the dogs come to talk. Aaron Murray, Mark Rick, Rennie Curran, Brandon Boykin, Malcolm Mitchell, Keith Marshall, Kamari Lasseter, John Fitzpatrick, Michael Bennett. What's up, Dog Nation? The Georgia Bulldogs are 9-0. Thanks to a huge 27-13 win over formerly number one Tennessee in Athens. What a weekend in this city. Uh, I'll say I've never been in a more electric environment in Athens yet. The only other game that can compare in my mind really is Notre Dame in 2019. We had two top 10 matchups last year in Arkansas, Kentucky. And even those, it, they felt like the game, the game leading up to that, that felt similar, right? Top matchups for the SEC East and Kentucky. Arkansas was a really good team when they came into town as well. So the game buildup was there. But there was a different feeling in this town this past weekend. You could barely move in college game day the entire time. I was there for two college game days last year, and those games previously mentioned. Different story, really. I mean, you could not move throughout the entire morning at Myers Quad. So that, that's when I knew this game was going to be different, and, and Dog Nation really showed out in-game, right? I mean, Tennessee had so many offsides penalties, procedure penalties, couldn't hear for that team, and, and it really made a difference. And that's what Kirby Smart even spoke on when he got up on the podium Saturday night. Like, there was definitely a home field advantage, and we knew there was going to be, but I didn't think it was going to be that obvious, and it definitely was. Um, dogs obviously dominated from start to finish, but that Sanford crowd was a huge, huge factor in that game. Very proud of Dog Nation for that atmosphere. We will have to break this down by the numbers, but first let's jump into my conversation with SEC's all-time leading passer, former Georgia NFL quarterback, Aaron Murray. Got a special guest, friend of the show, SEC's all-time leading passer, Aaron Murray. Uh, Aaron, thanks for taking the time, man. How is the ESPN going, right? You started within this year and calling some games. How's that been going for you? Man, it's been great, especially to, to become covering more SEC games. I'm still looking for my first Georgia game. I uh, was about to have one about a month ago, then Stinch stole it from me. But uh, it's all good, at least to say to the Bulldog family. But no, it's been it's been awesome. Uh, obviously, travel for me is a lot easier getting around to SEC stadiums, especially with a, a two-year-old and then my wife due in here the next week or two. So uh, it's been good to be able to get in and out back home to, to obviously help with it, with that. But uh, it, it's it's great. Uh, obviously, I, I covered the SEC daily on Sirius time in the afternoon so it makes even during the week a lot easier just to prepare for games and that sort of thing so uh, yeah it's been a good first year well, that's great to hear man and you're gonna be a busy man coming up soon with her do like that so uh, props to you man for doing all this at once i know you got players lounge stuff going on as well so in dog nation we know all about that I always plug you and keith when i can um let's get into this tennessee georgia matchup we were just talking about before the call how electric it was in this city um it, it was it was a great time for the fans of georgia right here and then the team how they played and Kirby Smart got these guys ready to go. What's one thing that stood out to you from this game that maybe you didn't see coming? Uh, Georgia dictating the tempo. I think that that was the biggest thing. And limiting, I think limiting the explosives, you know, that was, you know, everyone's worry. Like, can you 
can you make Tennessee, and this was my goal for Georgia for the game, can you make Tennessee drive the length of the field and then execute in the red zone in order to score touchdowns? And, and you saw it for LSU versus Alabama. Same thing, like Alabama obviously had a little bit more, a couple more explosive plays compared to Tennessee's offense, but still for the majority of the night, LSU made Alabama drive the length of the field, and it's not easy to do. Like that, it's a struggle, man, as an offense to, you know, have to be on the road, execute for for 10 plus plays, and then have to go in there and execute after the long drive in the red zone is it's a tough feat. So that's why Tennessee's been so successful this year. Is they haven't had to do that. It's it's big play after big play after big play. It's six yard touchdown, seven yard touchdown, or you know, a big chunk play gets you into the red zone and then boom, you score right after that. Uh, they haven't really been forced to put together consistent drives for an entire football game. And I feel like if Georgia did that, it was going to disrupt their their rhythm, disrupt what they want to do on offense. And, and we saw that. And, and, and big shout out to you know the defense line that got after it. Bullard was tremendous, especially on his pressures and and just, you know, the DBs being able to tackle in space. I mean, it just in in, in an era where defenders are are scared to get penalized, whether it's targeting and you know just how protected offensive players are. And watching the film and watching the game live, it was it was catch tackle, catch tackle, catch tackle, catch tackle. Not a lot of yak, not a lot of yards after catch, uh, which also once again helped to uh, you know limit those explosive plays that we're so accustomed to seeing Tennessee execute this season. Yeah, that's a good point. Something that stood out to me was the blitz packages that we came out with in this game, too, because interesting stat before you know, we, we talked this through last week on the show, Georgia was fourth in the country in presser percentage without blitzing. But they were also last in the SEC and sacks. Um, you know, we, we, we were discussing like whether that was a thing where Georgia hasn't played teams where they had to blitz um, or they were just fine with getting pressure with four or five. They put one more down. This game was totally different, right? Six sacks, doubled the previous total of the high this season. So that was interesting to see, and we're going to see a lot more of that, I bet, when we play better teams. Um, This week, Mississippi State started off hot, this team did, and they've leveled off a little bit. What is one thing maybe Georgia should look for that Mississippi State kind of does well? That air raid and, and Mike Leach can be a problem sometimes. Well, I think and I'll flip it to the defensive side first. Like, I think it's a good defense. They're physical up front. Uh, they have a lot of length on the back end. They got some some lanky corners that can you know disrupt you at the line of scrimmage. And and yeah, I think they 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 should have faith in their corners that they can match up a little bit against Bauer. So I'm kind of interested to see if they do that. If if, if they say, hey, you know, we have six two six three corners, and we're going to put one of these guys on Bowers and essentially try to eliminate, uh, you know, what Georgia and Munkin want to do with a tight end position. So I'll be, I'll be, you know, I'll, all eyeballs on that because I do think they have the length on the outside uh, to to be a little bit disruptive. Uh, and then you know what they want to do offensively is we all know it's 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 quick game. It's dink, it's dunk, it's get the ball out of Will Will Rogers' hands. You know, one area that they do lack on offense is is their protection. You know, this year you've seen them really, really get hurt, uh, whether it was LSU on the road or versus Bama being able to protect Will Rogers. And 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 that I think that could be a problem for them this game. You know, Georgia should be able to get after the quarterback once again this week, whether it is with pressure or not pressure. And then it, it's it goes back to what I said they did well versus Tennessee. It's a catch, uh it's a catch then tackle. Uh, because he's gonna get the ball out of his hands fast. I think they do have very talented receivers, but can you just tackle them? Can it can it be a three yard gain, a three yard gain and get to third and, and short and then stop them there. Um, don't let them break tackles. So I think Georgia's good enough on the back end to once again this game eliminate the 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 yards after catch to catch and tackle and and kind of put them behind the chains on the offensive side and and really I, I look at this game as being very similar to what Alabama did. You know Alabama dominated them. Uh, I think the yards per completion was like 
three or four, which is crazy. I think Georgia could do the same thing in this game versus, versus Mississippi State. Yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking about the Alabama game and how they played. I think it'll be similar. Um, the line's at 16 and a half, and I'm leaning Georgia, to be honest. Uh, do you have a prediction, maybe, how you think this game will shape out from a point standpoint? Yeah, I, I I think Georgia covers that number two. I just think defensively right now, uh, I, I've just been so impressed with how efficient they've been getting Jalen back. I think he's going to be all over Will Rogers in this game, uh, and I think their offense is 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 you know starting to to feel like it did to start the season. You know what they look like versus Oregon and what they look like for South Carolina, especially if Ladd continues to play he that the way he did this this previous game versus Tennessee, just to take some pressure off the tight ends and take some of that attention off the tight end position. So I think Georgia wins big. I think I, I would not be surprised if you see like a 35-38 to seven three type game like i i just it's hard for me to envision mississippi state scoring a touchdown in this game unless it comes later in the football game got it got it and, and keep an eye out for ad mitchell too guys he might be able to play and go in this one i like I'd like to see like we've been saying that for every for like the that past month fingers crossed i would love to see it i just feel yeah. like every week we're like ad's gonna be back and then just like yeah, I don't know if they're saving him or what, but man, it'd be good to get him out there just to get his feet going again and, yeah. and get that rhythm with Stetson. Yeah, exactly. Right. I've heard he's had some setbacks and that was a high ankle sprain at first. And then Kirby, you know how he is, but he's saying hopeful every week. So I have to write that. And it's kind of annoying, but um, let's get it. I know you got to get out of here. Let's have one more here. What about contenders in the SEC? Because obviously that loss from Alabama, it kind of shakes things up. Right. So, I mean, Georgia kind of cements its shot for the SEC championship. I mean, at least unless they blow one to Mississippi State, Kentucky, uh, they're going to be in it. And then that West side. So LSU, Ole Miss right here, they kind of control what happens. But if Ole Miss drops one to Alabama, LSU will have that. What do you think happens in the West and who do you think gives Georgia that biggest contest? Well, I think LSU should should run the table and 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 be an SC championship game. I, I had Arkansas last week. You know, they're pretty banged up. Their defense has been pretty bad all year. Uh, if LSU shows up to play, they should win the game. Yeah, you know, I think they have UAB and then Texas A&M to finish the season off. So I think, you know, for them, there's a clear path to Atlanta. Uh, I think that's most likely going to be the matchup at the end of the day. Georgia's a better football team, but LSU's they're they're, they're legit, man. Like they got talent on offense. Jaden has worked his way into the high in conversation he's playing extremely well right now the receivers are playing at a high level their tight end taylor's playing great i think their offensive line was really impressive this past game especially those two freshman tackles and i like what they got on defense they got really good guys at all three levels from bjo jolari to 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 harold perkins at linebacker who's been just terrific and then the back end i think is is tremendous as well so it'll be a great challenge for georgia uh i think georgia's once again the better football team and should win that game but else you could make it interesting i i still think at the end of the day the only team in my mind that can can make it make it a competitive game, and it's funny to say this because they just whooped up on them, is Tennessee. Still, mm -hmm. uh, I do think that right now the way things are, are could shake up is I, I anticipate TCU losing one, if not both, of their next two games. So either versus Texas this weekend or versus better the the next week. All it takes is one. They lose one of those. I think the Big 12's out. I think the ACC's already out of the playoffs. I think the Pac-12 has a chance to get one of those teams in, whether it's UCLA, USC, or, or, or uh, Oregon. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my anticipation is Georgia one, Ohio State or Michigan at two, and that game looks better and better every week with with how Ohio State's been a little bit one-dimensional. Um, Pac-12 winner at three, and then 
I think Tennessee gets in at four. So I think right now, Tennessee is kind of in a good spot right now. If they win out, which they should, they get to sit out SEC championship weekend, and then they'll be able to, if everything unfolds the way I think it will unfold, be that number four team playing Georgia in the Peach Bowl at at a somewhat obviously more neutral site. I think to me, that's, that's a team right now that could give Georgia problems if they have to do the rematch down the line. Yeah, that makes sense. College football playoff hunt. We love it, man. It's a great time. Championship time is coming up as well. Aaron, we appreciate your time. Have a great one, man. And we enjoy every time we get to talk to you. Appreciate you. And uh, go dogs. Give me a fun end of the month. Go dogs. Thank you to Aaron for coming on. Guy's got a busy, busy schedule, so I appreciate his time. Let's move into UT review here. Start with team stats. UGA 18 first downs. Tennessee 21, Georgia 7 of 12 on third down. That is really good, guys. Tennessee 2 of 14, 2 of 14. What did we say about getting off the field on third down? Georgia was able to do that. Georgia's defense was able to really, it it was perfect. It was a perfect game because this is what we talked about last week. How do you beat Tennessee? One of those things, force them to make long drives, force them to convert on third and long and third downs in general, right? Because this team is so good at getting those huge chunk plays on first down, and then they hurry up and they're eating you. They're eating you on first and second downs and getting into first downs. Not the case. Not the case. Georgia, 387 total yards. Tennessee, 289. Georgia, 195 passing. Tennessee, 257. Season low for those guys. Georgia, 130 rushing. 3.5 average. Tennessee, 94. 2.2 average. Georgia, two turnovers, and Tennessee had the same there. Georgia offense, uh, Stetson Bennett was great. 17 of 25, 257 through the air, two passing touchdowns, and a 13-yard score on the ground. SEC co-offensive player of the week, one of the highest-graded quarterbacks in college football that week by Pro Football Focus. Kenny McIntosh, 10 attempts for 52 yards, two catches for 57 yards. That's versatility. And when you, when you think about Kenny McIntosh, that's really what he brings to the table. He is a good runner. He can give you that burst of speed through the line. And I think he did a really good job of breaking tackles. And, and Georgia's offensive line did a great job of moving the pile and blocking down the field as well. Dejon Edwards, again, a good game. This guy is really getting the workload. We're seeing this with Kendall Milton out especially. Georgia has really fed Dejon Edwards the ball more and more. Uh, I think a, a few games in a row where he has led the Georgia team in carries. I expect to see more of that. I mean, the kid has really proven that when you give him the ball in these high-pressure situations, he can make the most of it. He had 16 attempts for 46 yards and a catch for four yards. Kendall Milton actually did play uh, first time back from the injury, had three attempts for eight yards. Brian Robinson came in late, had five attempts for six yards, did lose a fumble. Lad McConkey led the team in receiving Great game by Ladd to see him back after really having the yips for a few weeks of the season. We were surprised to see that. Five catches for 94 yards and a touchdown. Arian Smith had a huge 52-yard catch. When he does contribute, when he is healthy enough and gets on the field and gets his number called, big things happen. Like As long as you can put the ball on him, that speed, that breakaway speed he has in the back end, taking the top off the defense, something to behold, and it's something that George is going to need in their arsenal when the playoffs and championship come around. Brock Bowers had three catches for 27 yards. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint had three for 20 yards and a great back of the end zone touchdown grab. And that special teams play on the big, big punt, 72-yard punt from Brett Thorson. 
Georgia defense, really the story of the game, and we'll spend most of our time here. Um, you could not have played better in my mind. I mean, I know Georgia did allow a touchdown. They did get beat a couple of times. Tennessee didn't make them pay very much on those attempts that they did break down a bit in coverage. Malachi Starks earned SEC Freshman of the Week for his 10 tackles and pass breakup. Javon Bullard had a great game with seven tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and a pass breakup. And we talked about blitzing with Javon and Chris last week from the secondary position. And I even mentioned it there with Aaron Murray. We were interested to see what blitzing would look like for this Georgia team when they needed to. They obviously came into this game with a blitz package and a blitzing mindset to get after the quarterback. And Georgia was able to do that from the defensive line perspective with Jalen Carter, obviously. But also Javon Bullard from that star position, his pass rush, the toughness he brings to tackling and rushing the passer, something that really, really stood out in this game. Keely Ringo had a key interception versus Cedric Tillman, who gassed Georgia a year ago, remember? He had that in the second quarter, basically ran the route for Cedric. Great catch over the shoulder. That was big in the second quarter to really keep the momentum in Georgia's favor there. He added seven tackles to that. I mean, he wasn't perfect in this game, but against those Tennessee receivers, I don't think you can ask for a better game there from him and Kamara Lasseter. It's weird to say, but even with how well Starks, Bullard, and Ringo played in the back end, no one had a more impactful game than Jalen Carter. Remember, he didn't even play a full game since week one. Came out versus Tennessee, had his best game of the year, played the most snaps we've seen him play since his injury versus Oregon. Racked up four tackles, including a sack, a QB hurry, two forced fumbles, one of which should have been a safety. Uh, we won't get into that. Still, these are not numbers you usually see from a defensive tackle. I'll say that. Defensive end, edge, maybe, but this is how dominant this kid is when he is on his stuff. I felt like he played with the crowd noise and that energy that was driving. I think that defense really, really fed off of that. And that can be said for most home environments, right? Your home environment, your defense usually feeds off that, and they did in this game. Let's get into SEC review here. In case you missed it, Bama lost to LSU in overtime on the Tigers' two-point conversion to win it. Ballsy move there. Ballsy move by Brian Kelly and the Tigers. Hard times in Tuscaloosa. That gives the Tigers a shot to control their destiny for the SEC Championship. Alabama has to play Ole Miss this weekend. Rounding out that Week 10, Kentucky beat Missouri 21-17. Florida beat A&M 41-24. Even harder times in Aggieville. Liberty and Hugh Freeze beat Arkansas 21-19 at Arkansas. Wow. South Carolina beat Vandy 38-27. And Mississippi State beat Auburn in overtime, 39-33. Almost blew like a three-touchdown league in that game. And speaking of Mississippi State, let's get into this preview. This team has taken a huge step back in the last month or so. They started off hot 5-1, headed into Kentucky, lost that game, and to Alabama before almost blowing a huge lead last week to Auburn. Offense was near the top of the SEC until that skid, and they've dropped to 8th in the league in total offense. They're averaging 33 points per game, 406 yards per game on the season. That's obviously the bread and butter here under Mike Leach with that air raid. They're averaging 325 yards passing. That's second in the SEC, but they are last in the league in rushing at 81 yards per game. When this team can run the ball well, paired with that offense and and their defense who's not playing bad, that's when they're dangerous. But the rushing game has not been there. Junior Will Rogers, Junior Will... 
Junior Will Rogers has had one of the best seasons at QB in the SEC this year. 2,912 yards, fifth in the FBS, 26 touchdowns at seventh, five interceptions on the year. At running back, Junior Dylan Johnson leads the pack. He's got 71 carries for 406 yards, three touchdowns with a 5.7 average. And as you might guess with the Mike Leach air raid offense, there's a bunch of receivers who have over 20 catches on the year, eight to be exact. Five of those guys have over 30 catches. Matchups to watch here uh, on the outside, sophomore Rufus Harvey. He's got 38 receptions for 356, two touchdowns. Senior Caleb Ducking has 37 receptions for 396 yards and eight touchdowns. He's a big dude at 6'5". Rangy could be a matchup problem. Sophomore Rara Thompson. Rara Thompson, one of the top names in the SEC, leads the SEC or leads the team, I'm sorry, in receiving yards with 540 yards on 36 catches and five touchdowns. He's got a good average at 15 yards a catch. On defense, the Starkville Bulldogs are six in the SEC and average 360 yards per game allowed and 24 points per game. That's eighth. They allow 210 passing a game, that's seventh, and 150 on the ground, that's eight. Senior Nathaniel Watson is their leader in tackles at inside linebacker. He also has four sacks. Senior Nathan Pickering is a guy to watch on the D-line. Has 22 tackles and two sacks. And the secondary, got to watch out for Emmanuel Forbes. He's one of those defenders that Aaron Murray was talking about there. Good in coverage. Um... Most of their corners are over 6'2". He's one of the top corners in the SEC, Forbes is. Leads the league in interceptions with five and has seven pass breakups. You know, I circled this game earlier this season because of how MSU was playing at the time, but I've changed my mind. You know, Georgia has been playing at a different level, and MSU has shown they struggle against talented teams and especially good defenses, right? Because that takes away really their team identity and the able to score, score quickly, keep the tempo up. They were whooped at home by Bama 30-6, lost to Kentucky 27-17, and LSU 31-16. I mean, those the common thing with those teams is that they're at the top of the league in defense behind Georgia. That's the difference here. We learned last week that you have to be good on defense versus Georgia to keep up because this Georgia D is really playing crazy good right now. Mississippi State may hit some shots here and there. I expect this Georgia offense to really spread the ball around like they have been, run it well, keep that run game going, developing. They were really good last week when they had to be. I know the average wasn't exactly there. Got to keep them off the field, though. You have to do it something to keep this Mississippi State offense off the field, and I think this Georgia defense will do that. And the offense being able to run the ball at will, spread the ball around, keep drives moving, will do that as well. Georgia is a 16.5 point favorite here. At the moment, I see this as a 24 point game or more. Now, I know this is an SEC road game. It's always tough to win in the SEC. It's a night game. Atmosphere will be there. The cowbells, the dreaded cowbells, going to have to mute your TV basically. But I think Georgia, the dominance they showed last week on defense, they'll be prepared. It's a similar offensive scheme for Mississippi State without the run game. I think Georgia does what it takes here. That defense stays strong. Mississippi State may score a touchdown, a touchdown. I don't see it to be a high-scoring game. So I think the line should be at 24, and I'd even add to that. So I'm going to go 41-9 to 9 
41 to 9. Georgia gets the win in Starkville, moves to 10 and 0, headed into Kentucky. All right, guys, spread versus JC. Last week was good. Last week was the best week of the season. I felt really strong about that card. I feel strong this week. Went 4 and 1, 25 and 23 and 1 on the season. This week, I've got Georgia minus 16 and a half at Mississippi State. We've already talked about it. Go, dogs. Purdue at Illinois. Illinois defense and run game bounce back from that tough loss a week ago. I like them at home to cover here by a touchdown. Washington at Oregon. Oregon's that team who just moved into top six in the playoff rankings. Their last loss, 49-3 versus Georgia. Now, since then, Oregon has looked like a great team. They play well together on both sides of the ball. Bo Nix has been good, but they play in the Pac-12, so keep that in mind when people are talking about playoff and potential matchups. Washington, they're struggling right now. It's going to be at home at Oregon for this game. Bo Nix always plays well at home, it seems like. So give me Bo Nix at home. Oregon makes it like a 17-point game, I'm thinking. Next pick, Kansas State at Baylor. Baylor, two-and-a-half-point favorite here. I think it's just because Baylor's at home in this game. I think Kansas State is a much better team. I know they lost to Texas a week ago, but they almost beat TCU. They had them most of the game until TCU eventually pulled away. I think TCU is the best team in the Big 12. I think Kansas State bounces back this week after that tough loss last week. Beats Baylor at home. Give me Kansas State money line. TCU at Texas. Now, we just talked about Texas. I think Texas is overrated. I had a good week last week, but this TCU team is different. I think the Horned Frogs, they do what they got to do, right? They're in that playoff spot. They're number four now, right? Can they handle the pressure and go into a hostile road environment at Texas and get it done? I think they do. I think TCU wins outright. Give me the Horned Frogs. And those are the picks. Appreciate you guys for listening. As always, make sure to check us out, UGAWire.com, UGA Football Live on Twitter. I'm at JC underscore Shelton underscore on Twitter. Rate, subscribe, and review if you haven't. We'll see you next week. Go dogs.